Greetings. Hello, race fans. How are you, Nantucket? How is the island doing? It's that time of year. Was that spooky? I tried to find some music that was going to be fitting for the time of year. All Hallows Eve coming this Saturday. I can't believe we're almost at the end of October. I hope that uh, you're doing good because I'm not. I'm going to lay it to you straight. I'm sick. I'm sick and it's not my fault. I have a finger and I'm pointing it right at the lady last week. Ugh, here's the story. We got hired to play a birthday party from some out-of-towners. We get to the house to play. We set up. The host, the birthday girl, is coughing profusely. She's clearly visibly sick, but she's continuing to pound red wine and vodka sodas, and she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I swear to God, I'm fine. She's like, I have pneumonia, but I'm not contagious anymore. The minute I heard her say I have pneumonia, I was like, Let's get out of here. Let's pack it up. Not worth whatever she's getting paid. I don't want to get sick. Because I'm a team player. We set up. We play the birthday party. And in the, and in the raucousness of the uh, show, if you will, the birthday girl grabs the microphone and starts singing into the mic. And I knew it. That was the kiss of death. I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, I'm screwed. Sure enough. Come Monday, I start getting sniffles, the head cold, the cough. I'm sick all week. I just got back from the doctors, and I have it. Pneumonia. The woman gave it to me. So that's my week. This is how I'm going to spend my Halloween evening, (laughs) Halloween weekend. Trick or treat? I think not. I think trick. Ugh. I'm so pissed. I'm fucking pissed. God, I... I, I wish I had the balls to say, lady, get off the mic. But no, I let her sing along, and sure enough, I'm sick, and I know it was her. It was done all in the name of fun. But I just came from the doctor, and I'm on antibiotics, so hopefully it'll knock it out. But alas, I'm sick for Halloween, and I'm looking forward to it because the daughter's going to be a pumpkin. We are going to be pumpkin farmers I'm looking forward to the parade tomorrow. I'm hoping that I feel better. I still got to play at Cisco at four. Uh, I'm trying to rest up, but uh, I want to get this podcast out. Hello, everyone. Let's start over. Let's do it over. How are you, Nantucket? Are you feeling good? I hope you guys are feeling good. Love this time of year. The kids are all in costumes. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow downtown. Hope you're feeling good. Uh, I want to share a quick... uh, insight to a documentary that I watched called The 7-5. It's on Amazon. Highly, highly recommend it for all you listeners out there that want that are into documentaries. I love them. This one is about a, a corrupt cop, true story, and it takes place in the roughest part of New York City during the crack epidemic in the 80s. And this corrupt cop had a, uh, a whole racket that he was doing. It's just awesome. It's a, such a cool documentary called The 7-5. Find it on Amazon. You can rent it on iTunes. It's not on Netflix yet, but uh, so worth it. I have a feeling if you take my word for it, you'll, uh, you'll thank me. The 7-5. There's my plug. So where are we here? Okay. This is episode 20. My guest today is Charlotte Hess, fashion designer and business entrepreneur. I'll call her that. And before we get into the conversation, I want to mention, after we spoke, 
we had actually a very uh, insightful talk about being a business owner on Nantucket and some of the issues that she's facing in her business. And we didn't actually talk about that in the conversation that you'll hear. So I just do, I just want to mention it because I do think it's important that, uh, you know, it's, it's a struggle to maintain a business out here. The cost to operate a business, the rent, the production is not easy. And uh, Charlotte made light of that, that even in her business, uh, it, you know, it was a struggle and it was hard and uh, not easy. So I just think that was important to mention. And, uh, you know, it's real and a lot. And she's not the only one suffering that small businesses, uh, it's hard for them to make a go out here. And uh, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I just think it's important to mention, especially as you listen to this conversation of, uh, a really accomplished woman. I was blown away. She's so cool. And uh, I just can't thank her enough for sitting down. It was, it's a great conversation. Her story uh, is definitely an interesting one. And she tr- she's one of these people out here that really makes the, uh, the fabric of Nantucket, the people out here, interesting. And uh, I really got to know her. And I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. So with that, it's episode 20. Charlotte Hess, fashion, fashion designer and uh, cool cat. She's making keeping Nantucket cool. Thanks, Charlotte. Let's get to it. Let's go inside the wind. White whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises. Big as an island. A whale, a whale, a whale, as big as an island. Start juicy. That's, that's, that's just how it's going to go. All right, listen. Okay. We're, we're rolling now. Okay, we're good. Oh. This is for real. Uh, Charlotte Hess has come to Fort Todd Circle. Welcome to Inside the Whale, Charlotte. This is great. Make Thanks. sure you, Let's make sure you can hear it. Get right. All right. There I am. So thank you for taking the time out. Of course. To be on Inside the Whale. This is episode number 20, just so you know, just in case you're keeping track. Uh, basically, we got to go way back and get the get the backstory. Where are you from? Chicago. Born and raised. E- born and kind of raised. Yeah, I've moved so many times I stopped counting at twenty nine. Okay, born yeah. and raised in Chicago. See, this is predominantly. The back, this would be this is the backstory. <laughs> the back backstory. Yeah, this is the backstory because this is what's cool is that everyone you know their their story that connects them to the dots that gets them out to the island usually pretty interesting. So yes, let's just go from Chicago. Okay, so, so I'm gonna fast forward a lot to mm, high school. No, no, no. I want to rewind. Oh, you don't even want to go. Mom and dad well, are from Chicago. Chicago, right? But I moved still to in Chicago. Yes. Okay, brothers and sisters. None. None. Just me. You're an only child. Right. Okay. That explains it. <laughs> Very needy. <laughs> hey, listen, we, we, we're we one and done. So she, uh, yeah, our daughter's going to be... Yeah, I think that's the way a- to go, maybe. After getting a dog, I think that maybe one child type Give us some advice about, she, about being an only child, because uh, oh, Piper's going to be an only child. Um, well, my mom wouldn't let me spend the night over anyone's house because she thought that bad associations spoiled useful habits. So I definitely would not do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think sleepovers are a good idea. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking notes. (laughs) But I also think that I'm better this way, honestly, because I had to play with myself and not in a weird way. That sounded super weird. You went there. (laughs) 
You went there. I had to play you by play. myself, not you had to play. with myself. Listen, you grammar know, is so important. You know, listen, that's that's <laughs> totally fine. I totally get it. And either way, it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's a natural. <laughs> anyway, so you're right. a kid and you had time to you had to yeah. learn how to basically occupy your yes, time. Yes, be independent. Be independent, and, and which ties into what you do now. So there you right. go. Right, right. And I mean, I basically. I was raised to be independent. I don't think I was raised to be independent, but the way I was raised made me independent. I took a flight by myself when I was four, and I don't think I mostly traveled with anyone ever again after that. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. How the hell did you take a flight? And what were you doing taking a flight by yourself at age four? Because my grandparents lived in Colorado, and I spent a lot of time with them. Okay. So my mom would just put me on a plane. And what are they, what's grandpa and grandma doing in Colorado? So my grandmother, both my grandparents have passed, but my grandmother was a caterer and she made amazing food and wouldn't tell anyone the recipes. And oh. to this day, I don't know any of them, but there's one person <laughs> in our family that has them. Isn't that weird? That is kind of weird. It's weird. I know. But she, apparently, uh, uh, what, where in Colorado? Uh, in Denver. Okay. So she yeah. had a catering business. What's the name of the catering business? I actually don't remember. When I was little, we used to work for, or she used to work for a woman that, um, she was just like their private chef. So I think she had it before I was born. And then by the time I was old enough to know what was going on, she was doing like private chef type deals. Gotcha. Yes. Which was when I started to ride horses. Cause this woman just adopted me as her own child. We just, and now you're, now we're riding horses. Riding we just horses. went from a four year old that went on a yeah. plane and now she's riding. Now she's riding horses. See, That's pretty a, much how it happened. And, and you just wanted to fast forward right to high school. All right. Where I also rode horses. So you were into horse. So where, <laughs> yeah. where, where were you riding horses in Colorado? In Colorado. And then when my grandmother died, we stayed in Chicago and then I went to a bunch, we moved around a lot in Chicago and then I ended up going to boarding school where I continued where I picked up riding horses again which was paid for by the woman that my grandmother worked for huh she yeah. said I want Charlotte to continue to ride horses well my mom got the bill because I just signed up for yeah, it horses are cheap yeah I didn't know I mean they were like do you what do you what sport do you want to do and I was like well I obviously want to ride horses but I didn't know my mom was going to get this ridiculous ridiculously large bill at the end of the semester at which point she said charlotte i'm really sorry but you can't do that again <laughs> right. and then i called up good old donna crown in colorado and i said donna this is what the situation is and how old were you when you called up donna crown i well i think i wrote her a letter but i was i would have been like 14 and she paid for the rest of high school for me to ride and then when i was a, when i was a are senior you jumping? when you say riding yes are you we comp i competed and i actually went to junior olympics and I won a silver medal at the Junior Olympics. So you're a junior, Olympic a junior Olympic equestrian. Yeah, but I don't think I was any good. I just think that I like had a lot of heart and didn't really get scared and would do really crazy stuff. Like my trainers would always give me the horses that needed to be broken in and then they would be given to other students after that because I mean I'd fall off and get back on I've got some great stories I went to there's the hospital a few times I've, I've fallen off and get right back on right back in the saddle literally literally right back in the saddle well the most important thing what were the horse's names I love this oh what well were your my horse's first, names my first horse was named Shamrock and he was so fat I could barely get my legs around him <laughs> The first time I rode a horse after that that was smaller than him, I fell off a lot because I wasn't used to riding a horse that was a little bit more slim. <laughs> um, the next horse I rode was Landmark, who was an ex-steeplechase horse, and he was amazing. Landmark was, sounds like a winner. Yeah, he was so tall. My trainers would tell me to do like 
like three, you know, I forget, I because I haven't ridden in so long, but the space between jumps, I think they're called, uh, what are they called? Steps? No, but oh, whatever. In three. between yeah. the actual. I forget what they're, I'm blanking right now, but, you know, we would do it in three instead of four and I wouldn't even notice. Like, usually if your horse, like, missed one, you would feel it and you would jump and you'd right. almost fall off. But, but I just, was- like, his stride was so long. It was insane. And then someone ended up buying him. Oh. And my the people who ran the barn felt so bad for me and they liked me so they actually got me a horse and one of them they each got their own stall that they could use for their own horses but one of them gave up their stall so that i could have a horse to ride of my own wow people that no really one, wanted yeah. you to ride horses <laughs> people were like <laughs> charlotte yeah. has to ride a horse yeah, we will do know, anything to know, get her on people a horse. were awesome but, you know, I've that's, always had really awesome people like that in my life. Well, that's your energy. Your vibe is definitely oh, like that, thanks. you know? Well, I try to give it back to you. Well, you do. So anyway, so let's go from the horse riding. Yes. And How did I end up knitting? And you, well, well, we'll get to the knitting, but <laughs> okay. I think it's important to, you know, connect those dots of okay. high school. But before yes. high school, so you're living in your parents. What do your parents do? What did so, they do? Or- well, my my dad is considerably older than my mother, so How he's old? retired. My dad's ninety, right? Wow! I know. It's like dad, really? I was totally robbing be like, oh, the cradle. Seven. Your dad <laughs> is ninety, right? And how old is your mom? I don't know. She won't tell me. <laughs> Come on! But no, I'm serious. You, don't, you really have no idea don't. how old I, your mom is. She would kill me for saying this, but I would imagine. I would imagine that there is a thirty year. To early like twenty wow, something, game, huh? right? Okay, so I didn't grow up with my dad. And I just always assumed that he was around the same age as my mom. So when he told me how old he was, I didn't believe him. And we had to call like my eldest like half sister and ask her how old she was, which would have like made him have her when he was like five. So then I believed him. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. Have you talked to? Do you talk to your dad a lot? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's not so I'm, I'm terribly. Guessing it wasn't yeah. like a close relationship with your. Yeah, growing up, but then in high school, we like we started hanging out again, and he's really awesome and hilarious. That's cool. And what did he do? He was an, a civil engineer. Okay. Yeah. And your mother? My mom works at the Art Institute of Chicago. Doing what? I don't know because she won't tell me. Yeah, my mom's really weird. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on how weird my mom Listen, (laughs) I mean, I love her, but she's quirky. All our our parents have our little idiosyncrasies. Some are dramatic, some are not so dramatic. My mom's is privacy. So, and I'm like, all right, so mom. So your mom, you have your mom was like, I have want Charlotte. Your mom made a very conscious decision to say, I want Charlotte to have no idea what I do. Yep. And you, I know what she's done in the past, which is weird. It's like once she's not doing anymore, she doesn't care. Hmm. Like she used to be a um, a photographer's assistant. Uh, she worked at a Montessori school. She modeled. She she's done lots so your of mother art. Was a model? Yeah, she's way hotter than me. It's so unfair. A, a Ford model? No, because she was short. So she's a catalog model. That's all right. She's very beautiful. It's so unfair. You want to no. see a picture? Yeah, <laughs> I want to see a picture. Let's see. Let's Wait, see. This is, a, this is a really. Let me see if I can find my phone. She's my. I think. I totally want to see a picture now. I never know where my phone is, so let me see. Ask me another question while I look at. Look well, at. I was just gonna say, speaking of the phone, you're you're uh, in this day and age, we're so wrapped up in uh, texting. Oh, you, I hate texting. You're a slow texter, man. I texted I, you, and it took I, you like a day and a half to get back to me. I was I, like, I was like, oh man, I got. She doesn't seem too into it. All no, right. no, I just I never know where my see. Case in point, I never know where my phone is. I never know where my phone is. 
and I don't even think it's in my bag right now. Well, for the people listening at home, the oh, bag's here's my, huge. Here's my wallet. <laughs> it's a huge <laughs> bag, and it not only has a laptop in it, but there's a chicken in there. There's her groceries. And some and or a cashmere. Ste- and a steering wheel. No, that's how she rolls, just rolling around with yarn and fuzzy things. Dog food. Dog food, yarn. What <laughs> else you got in there? Holy shit. My rainbows. I'm, I really don't think my you, phone is in here. Some didn't bi- you just pull bills. it out in that little... Oh, no, that's my wallet. Ah, here it is. All right. For our <laughs> listeners, uh, maybe maybe you could have gotten... Oh, gotten, it's dead. <laughs> all right, we're going to have to edit that out, folks. Anyway, well, we'll, we'll steer it back then. We'll just we'll cue that up. This is clearly going smoothly, Charlotte. Do you see <laughs> Char- why I don't, I don't mean I do not people. mean this to be rude, but have you been drinking? <laughs> I think you know, we I, should have a beer. I get that a lot. Right. Have you been Actually, drinking? I get I get upset when people cut me off because I'm like, no, I this is just me. I'm not. I know, I'm just kidding. So it where did where uh, your mom is should, insanely private and she didn't want you to she know? She is. She doesn't want me to know how. Why do you think she's like that? Were her parents messed up know. or something? No, or I shouldn't say messed up. That's not appropriate. I know it makes me sound like, sound like it's a Criminal Minds episode. Yeah, or did, well, usually it's stuff like that. Those little idiosyncrasies you can trace back to. I don't know where why she my mom raised. is the way she is, but it's definitely interesting. Do you have a good relationship with her? Yeah, my mom's awesome. Do you talk I to mean, her? I mean, she drives how, me insane. How often do you talk to her? I don't talk to my parents that often because of work and me being overwhelmed and I forget what day it is and I don't even know where my phone is half the time. So. <laughs> Whether it's got batteries but or not. But yeah, I probably talk to my mom like, this is going to sound awful, but like twice a month. I know, That's it's not terrible. horrible. I think everyone's different. I'm like a once yeah. a week guy. Yeah. Like maybe two weeks go by, but it just depends on the type of parents. But I also like call my mom randomly, just randomly to ask her one question. Like, hey mom, how long can you leave meat in the refrigerator for? And then, that's and then it. she'll tell me and I'll be like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so I'm not counting those conversations. Is, is she proud of you and what you've done? That's a good question. We'd have to call her to ask. Really, I wish we could, now. I wish we had her. That might up. be. Yeah, I know that. Well, would be Charlotte, kind of your mother's here today. Come <laughs> <on> <laughs> I wish it was that kind of podcast. We have your mom here today. Here she is. Here Whoa! She is. Come on in. She comes flying. Wow, that would be amazing. Flowy dress. There she is. Would she wear she, a flowy dress? She's got some good ones. She's got some great clothes that I can't fit into because she's very petite. So, so she sad. a fast a fashionista. She yeah, style. she's got some really great things. That's pretty cool when your parents yeah. you can you can openly It'd be cool admit if they fit. Parents had style. <laughs> oh yeah, my mom's got great style. That's cool. And my dad looks like he's sixty five, so I don't know what's going and on. And he's ninety. And he, my dad looks so good. Both my parents look pretty good. I don't know what's going on. That's great. It's weird. Not many people can say that. <laughs> I've never, I've never even heard. I, I've never heard someone really say hard. my parents look so freaking hot. Yeah. No, my mom is like ridiculous. My mom's so hot. Yeah. I think my mom is wicked hot. My I, mom's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, all right. So you grew yeah. up in Chicago. You're an equestrian. Mm-hmm. You won Junior Olympics. Silver. Silver. In Can't the really say Olympics. I won it. Yes. And if your phone was working, we'd have pictures, and you could pull up pictures of you jumping over things. Right? Were you doing steeple jumping? No, I did just- steeple chasing, and I did, but mostly I did hunters and jumpers. But then I, when I left high school, I almost got a job as a steeple chase jockey, which was really fun. Gotcha. Yeah. Were you that into was, fashion in high school? I mean, not 
not making it, but wearing it and like reading magazines and stuff. Yes. Following but not it. following it, but not actually making anything really. So you go to boarding school. You said high school, you went to boarding mm-hmm. school and what boarding school? I went to a tiny all girls boarding school in Maryland that no one's ever heard of before called old fields. Give it a plug. Oatfield? Old field. Old field. How ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old field. Did you, Plural. Did your dad pick that? Because there's more than one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a horrible joke. <laughs> See, I feel like we've been drinking. That's yeah. <laughs> Either that or like someone gave us something to smoke. <laughs> Are you always like this? Because maybe I just brought it out in you. Because people always think I've been drinking, which is really bad. I'm pretty goofy by nature. You mm-hmm. can ask my friends and stuff. Me too. To Perfect. Laugh. Then we we um, get on great together. So how, who picked the school? I did. Because it was an equestrian school. Because it was not in Chicago. What's, what do you have against Chicago? My mom lived in Chicago. Oh, so, so <laughs> I wanted to go to so school away true. from home. The high school years are rough well, for the, the parents when, I mean, when you have a teen. I was pretty good. I mean, my mom um, was pretty religious so and raised me to be pretty religious. So I had a pretty and pretty strong, but I was also independent. So there's... I mean, but I never, I kind of had my own set of morals, which are, were generally pretty conservative as far as like high school goes. Like I didn't get drunk for the first time until I, I, until I was in college and I never felt the need to like, I mean, I never really did any drugs. Or I never did anything that like parents today would think was necessarily that bad, mm-hmm. you know, because I just didn't feel, I didn't, and I had really great friends that didn't do that stuff too. And like, they weren't necessarily straight edge. It was just like, you know, do what you want. And I may or may not do that. With I don't you. think that that's that uncommon for kids not really? to start drinking until college. I mean, there's, st- I think everyone's. Different. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely drank in high school, but I mean, kids, kids and uh, you know, there's kids that definitely. Well, start. No, 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 no. I mean, get like crazy, just drunk out of my mind. That happened in college. Most, I feel like most people I know did that in high school. In fact, most people in high school I know did that in high school. The ones that got blottoed in college were the ones whose parents were the most strict with them in high school and and didn't restrict alcohol in their house. And were like, if I catch you drinking, those are the usually the kids that went bananas in college. But see, that's what I mean. I had a parent like that and I didn't really go, go crazy. Because I was raised so independent, I became so independent that I, and I got teased horrifically when I was in um, elementary school, that it actually made me, I think, a stronger person, and it just made me not Why did you get teased? Oh my, really? You want to hear this? It's pretty awful. I mean, it's just like institutionalized racism. Really? Yeah. When I was in, like, I want to say, like. Up until third grade, I was fine. And then I transferred and my mom and I moved to downtown Chicago and I went to a school there that was like really diverse. And then after a year, we moved back to Chicago because my grandmother died. I mean, back to Chicago, back to the south side of Chicago, which was pretty much all black. And in that year that I was gone, all these new students had come in. And when I came back, like they were the popular kids. And they thought because I was so dark skinned, like they that was a bad thing. Like the most, which is awful, but the the most horrible insult you could tell give someone is to say that they were from Africa. So every, I, I mean, it's just disgusting, but like the minute the teacher would leave to like go to the photocopy something or just leave the room for whatever reason, the whole class would turn towards me and just 
pick on me and say, did your mom leave you in the oven when you were a baby? Like, is that why you're so black? Are you from Africa? I mean, just really horrible things. And what grade is this? Fifth grade. Fifth Kids grade. Kids can be so mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that happened for a year. And then by sixth grade, they kind of like let off. And then in sixth grade, I went back to a very like diverse school, like a magnet school, north side of Chicago that was again diverse. And it was like a language academy. So everyone was like different. And I got teased there too, but that was more of the normal teasing, like guys being like, oh, your boobs are so small or whatever. And <laughs> right. like seriously, because of the experience I had had being teased, like one thing I people didn't like was my hair is natural and I don't have a chemical in it that straightens it. And that was a huge faux pas like social faux pas in that school because everyone straightened their hair. Did you talk to anyone about this? Did, did when you it have, happened? Yeah, like when it was adult? going on, did you have anyone to explain, like sort of to process that, to, like explain, hey, these kids are being mean? No, did you, so, I don't, did I don't you lash out or did that. you? No, I just sat there and took it. Huh. There would be, there would be some times where they'd really get to me and like, like one of the kids who teased me was darker than me. And I would just be like, are you, like, do you, really? You're blacker than I am and you're taking out, you're like talking about how dark, that doesn't even make any sense. And like, you know, after, you know, I did that a couple times and it just made it worse or nothing happened. So I just, I just sat there and I took it. I didn't cry. You never told your mom? I can't or? remember if I, if I did or not. I mean, I don't remember telling my mom. That's actually, no one's ever asked me that. I've told people that, but no one has ever asked me if I talked to an adult about it. I don't really, I don't know if I did or not. I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. It's, I feel like nowadays there's, there's a lot more yeah. of an awareness of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there were three of us that weren't popular and we got teased. Even at fifth grade, a social yeah, pecking order just, like, like that is pretty yeah, wild. Yeah. It was, it was not great, but I'm so, I'm kind of glad it happened because it made me learn early on that people are going to not like you for silly reasons, no matter what. And I'm just going to do, I'm just going to be whoever I want to be and realize that like what's going on here with me has not, that that's not what's going on there with them. Like someone can just like me or just, and that, I really think that that made me a stronger person. And then I went to this all girls boarding school where we were just like taught every day how important we were and how independent we were and how, you know, strong women are. And that just like solidified that in my mind. So I never, like when I went to college and everyone was getting drunk and like going crazy, I was like, yeah, I don't care. I'll drink, but I don't need to get blocked. You know, I don't need to go crazy. Right. You know, it was more of like an accident that it happened because I had never really done it before. So I didn't know what my limit was kind of situation. And then I was like, okay, know what my limit is. Don't yeah. really need to do that again. It's interesting that, you know, at fifth grade to, to, to come to those kind of conclusions mm -hmm. is, is pretty profound. I think mm -hmm. that's not, you know, no, most fifth graders don't have to deal with something like that. So to even have to make those kind of conclusions in your head, yeah, that is pretty adult. So it sounds like you grew up pretty fast. Yeah. I, yeah. So when I went to my next school and everyone was teasing me, I was just like, yeah, you're just an idiot. Like, I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to change. You could sort of compartmentalize because, it. Yeah. Just, I'm just like, I'm just going to keep being me and doing me. And that's how I've always been. I always, I don't ever worry about what, if, if people like me or if they approve of me, it's like really, it's actually really freeing because I'm just like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And what makes me happy because 
Yeah, I was just the kids in high school. That uh, it's funny as an adult, you're able to look back. Mm-hmm. I actually have a good friend, and I didn't become friends with him until I met him in New York. But he mm-hmm. totally did his own thing, and I mm-hmm. and I realized his name is Brent Cole, and mm-hmm. Brent Cole was ahead of, in so ahead of the the mm-hmm. curve in this respect because he, you know, in high school he just did his own thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's funny how those kind of those people those individual spirits it carries into your adulthood, you know, and, and those people, the ones that end up doing cool shit, <laughs> that independent spirit, I think is a, the essence of what keeps them pushing, you know? Yeah. I think. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think like when Facebook first came out, I spent some time trying to find some of those people that I was in fifth grade with just to see where they were at, just out of curiosity. And I think I couldn't find everyone, but I had a friend, kind of a friend. She was like the kind of situation where she wasn't as unpopular than me. So people didn't tease her, but she wasn't very popular. So she just kind of like kept a low profile and like would be asked me if I was okay, like when no one was around. <laughs> but her, she couldn't do another. Yeah, because yeah. she's like, I don't want to be seen with you, but are you okay? <laughs> like it was really weird. But anyway, her mom and my mom were friends and so I would see her from time to time after we left school and I'd ask her about some of those kids and a lot of them like ended up just like you know staying in their neighborhood and starting fam. not that that's anything wrong with starting a family but they they just I don't think that they like um you know I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't see them. I don't, they're not even fine. Like I can't even even, find them on Facebook. There's only one kid that I can find who was someone else that wasn't that popular who was born on leap year. He's the only person I've ever met in my life who was born on leap year. His name was Mark Grant. I can't believe I remember his name. Oh my God. Yeah. Mark Grant will listen to this. Maybe he will. Mark, if you're out there, Mark, if you're out there, reach out to Charlotte. Say hi. Yeah. Re send me another message on Facebook because I know I did get that one like five years ago and I'm sorry I didn't write you back. <laughs> she was very busy. I was very busy in, in art school. Thanks. Sorry. So in high school, you mentioned something that uh, really was a, a, a strong point. Mm-hmm. You felt a lot of uh, empowerment. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I used that word. You didn't use that word, but yeah. you alluded to no, that. No, of was, course. It was an all-girls boarding school and you really... Yeah, it was great. Sort of I mean, don't get me wrong. I still had my share of, you know teasing but I just really didn't care (laughs) I had a great group of friends and I have to say a lot of it which is a lot of the teasing that I've encountered in my life which is really sad is is from black people about me not um kind of like acting in a way that is seen as normal for for a a black black person well, yeah, I it's get, really you're, you're getting interesting. At this, this very, uh, and that's not uncommon. You're mm-hmm. getting at the idea that if you're a black person and you're mm-hmm. not like thugged out, dress or dressing like a hip hop yep. guy, that you're like trying to be a white person or something. Or okay, you know? so I have a story that totally goes along with so what th- you're saying. Th- is this in high school? This is in high school and college. So in, in, I'm going to skip ahead to college really fast just because this is relevant. I was talking to one of my gay friends who's white who was really upset one day and I asked him what was going on and he was like, you know, I'm just so sick of people just assuming that I should behave a certain way because I'm gay. 
because if you just met him, you would never in a million years just think he's not that a he was gay, right? He all the stereotypes like, that go exactly. Along with the gay he man. didn't comply with, you know. And I said, you know, I to- I totally understand. I'm so sorry. I empathize with you. This happens to me all the time because I'm black. And he said, you know, instead of saying what I expected him to say, which was like, oh, like I'm glad you understand. Whatever he said, oh yeah, no, I've heard that before. Like I've heard that, you know people say that you don't act black enough. And I just go, wait, what? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, people have said that. And so I wrote a letter to the school paper and I said, you know, I can't remember exactly what it said, but I do remember at the end of it, I wrote, you know, I didn't get the memo, you know, I didn't get the memo on how to be black. Like, am I supposed to be like collecting welfare or something? Am I supposed to be eating fried chicken and watermelon? Like what am I supposed to be walking around with my pants hanging off my butt? Like what, what am I supposed to be doing that, makes me black because as far as I'm concerned, I am black, you know, and I, I think <laughs> the last time I looked, <laughs> I think I, I, I can't remember if I said this or not, but I might have, cause I was pretty angry. I might yeah, have said like, you know, I'm pretty sure the Imperial wizard of the KKK would identify me as black. And that's all I really care about. <laughs> that, that was your rebuttal. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't know if I said that or not, but well, it's, you know, but no. And then so many people, even teachers, black teachers at the school, like came up to me and they were like, I'm so glad you wrote that letter. Like I've even said that I'm so sorry. And then because I never joined the black student union group, the, this black student group when I went to college, which they had a real problem with. And it wasn't like, I was like, I'm joining other groups and not this one. I'm like, I don't want to join any groups. And I did end up joining one, which is the outdoor recreation program. And, but they had a problem with me not doing that. And then when I graduated, they like all the black students wore this, like, you know, I guess it was like some kind of kente cloth, whatever. And they brought it to me and they were like, you know, they actually said something like, something along the lines of, we know that you haven't been like, we haven't, I don't know, it was so weird, but they were like saying like, we want you to wear this. I mean, it was literally what I felt like was that they were saying like, you know, we know that we haven't made it easy for you or it wasn't easy for you being here, but like now it's okay like for you to be black at graduation it was so weird. weird yeah anyway it's it's a pretty complex issue mm. i don't know if you can or i could even imagine the, the well i understand i have an mm. understanding of it it's this it's an identity mm-hmm. there's a stereotype there's preconceived notions that everyone has mm-hmm. of what's portrayed of mm-hmm. certain people and those are just you know stereotypes so everyone has those so and then you put that dynamic of people and then you put them together on a college campus or in a high school and it's all all those things are put under a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. and especially i would say in high school too because you're trying to figure out you know everyone's feeling out who they are as people Mm -hmm. you know so for you i mean i can imagine someone say well you don't act black (laughs) which is you know i've heard other people talk about that before Mm -hmm. it's i you know i obviously can't identify with it but i understand it it i don't know i think that maybe now things have changed Mm -hmm. a little bit (laughs) i don't know i mean being it could be because we're on nantucket and it's like such an elite community and i don't know if people are making this assumption because i was working a service job at the time or what but there's like there's still that kind of underlying oh you know you're so articulate or oh, like, you went to college? I mean, like, this expectation of Hmm. where I, you know, I don't know. But I will say I've lived abroad in England, 
and well, I've lived abroad in a few places, but when I lived abroad in the UK, there wasn't, and maybe there is some of that. I don't know because I was in a school, but I very no one ever said you don't you don't act black or you act white. So funny, like you were just Charlotte. I was just black or Charlotte. Yeah, it's re- it was. I found that really interesting, and it's a lot. It's a big reason why I chose to spend so much time living abroad. Yeah, European culture. I think too, you're allowed is to a be little more, more evolved. A, I don't know, evi- Europeans yeah, no. are a little more evolved. I think there isn't that. Yeah. Uh, well, they have their own drama, but yeah. I don't know. So, where did you go to college? Um, I went to Grinnell College in Iowa, and then I trans. I mean, technically, I was a transfer student, but I went to um, the Schoolyard Institute of Chicago, and then I went. And I did my master's at the Glasgow School of Art in Scotland. Okay, so you have a, you had a master's, mm-hmm. and in f- what was the uh, what was your discipline? In ma- in my master's, yeah. was textiles. Yeah. So when did you start doing textiles? Yeah. When did you figure out that this is because you know in art school well, you're figuring all that out? You know, sorry, my this, that's Hank. I love Hank. <laughs> Sorry, Hank is for those listening. Hank is uh, Hank is, is sniffing. Adorable. He's a he's a piece of work. He's our pet monster. He's really cute. Um, I liked textiles um, or knitting and crochet. I started doing that when I probably actually when I was, I think in fifth grade, when the teasing was happening. Um, over the summer, I would go to walk down the street to this lady's house and Miss Jones, and she would teach me how to crochet. And then I started knitting like right at the end of the year. So she showed you she showed you how to? This is hilarious. Why? Hank's in my bag. <laughs> fully <laughs> like fully in my bag. Uh, Hank. Hank is ridiculous. So you go to this woman's house and she's like, Charlotte, I have some yarn. Check this out. Yeah, and she would, and she taught it? me I can't remember how it started. I think maybe she told she like showed me something that she had made and I thought that was cool. And she said she would teach me. I feel like is what happened. And so that's how I started. And I didn't really t- pick it up again until I was in college. And I went, I applied to go to the Glasgow School of Art as a painting student, um, but I didn't get in. So I petitioned the school, which I literally think, I think they were like, oh, like wait, what? We, we don't even, like, wait, what? You They'd Leave it to be- these Americans to come over and be like, no, no. actually, <laughs> no. I'm not taking no for an answer. Like, I feel like it's a very American thing to do. Is go, wait a second. I'm sending you more work and you're going to give think me that, another all chance. See, I think that teasing paid off. See? Right? Like, no. It's in there. You're like, I'm not putting up with bullshit. No. You're going to look at this again and then you're going to accept me. And, and while you're did. at it, I don't even want to do painting. I want to do textiles. So I got in a week before I was supposed to be there which I had already in the meantime started applying for a, a study abroad program in France. And I'd been like going through the process of getting my French visa. And then like, this was all I was thinking is I'm going to France. And then I get a phone call from the Glasgow School of Art and they're like, you got in. And I go, okay, now I have to like, now I'm going to the UK and switch like literally in a week. It was really crazy. It was like right before Christmas break. And I was gone. Like, I think I was gone like two weeks later. In Scotland. Yeah. And I stayed there for six months. I've never been to Scotland. Really? Is it awesome? Oh, it's so awesome. If you go, you have to go to Glasgow. Everyone goes to Edinburgh. And Edinburgh is cool, but it's so touristy. Like, 
Edinburgh is beautiful. They have a the cool art. arts, a comedy festival. Yeah, right? what or is a fringe that? festival. Yeah, fringe, right? The, the fringe Edinburgh, festival. The fringe festival out there. Edinburgh is really beautiful, but you have to go to Glasgow because I feel like Glasgow is where it's where it's at. So you have to go to Nice and Sleazy's and get the $2 white Russians because that's all I drank in college. $2 white Russians. Two pounds, sorry. Two pounds. <laughs> Two quid. So yeah. what is, I just can't imagine going from Iowa to back to Chicago and then and then going, so two years or a year? Is it two, year master, two years master's that was my un, That was my undergrad. I was just a study, a study abroad student, so I did Oh, that. so you went abroad. And then I went to the Art Institute, got a BFA, and then I went, I applied to a few schools to do my master's all in the UK. And I chose the Art Institute, I mean, the Glasgow School of Art, which I, um, this is really embarrassing and I can't even believe I'm gonna tell you this, but when I like did my application, I accidentally put the wrong school. So when they called, <laughs> not, not a good yeah, move. I know, when they called to like interview me, they were right. like, so why is it that you want to go to this other school? And I was like, crap. I'm uh, just kidding. Yeah. I'm also, uh, yeah. <laughs> Super awkward, dude. Awkward moments. Super awkward, but I got in, so it's fine. So you got, and in. that's where I went, because that's you know. And that's in the where end. you started doing textiles. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's where I did like I specialized in knitwear, and then I well, never mind. I was gonna say art schools uh, are pretty. They can be catty in their own level, right? Mm. In art schools, because I always see the Parsons kids when I was in New York, and I had some friends that went to Parsons, some mm-hmm. FIT people, mm-hmm. and. When you put at a big university, the art people kind of stay together and their mm-hmm. little thing. But if you're at an art school, mm-hmm. it gets even. It's pretty catty, no? Well, I always or competitive, tell people, I should say, not yeah, catty. Competitive. competitive. I always tell people that I feel like I went to like the hippy dippy art school, or at least I was in the hippy dippy classes where, <laughs> like, we all just supported each other, and if somebody needed help, we helped them. But there were other classes where people were very competitive. And I mean, I've heard stories, I don't know if it's true or not, but like at Central St. Martin's or Parsons where like someone will leave the room and they'll come back and someone's cut up their work. I yeah. mean, I've, I, I've heard that before. That would that would have never happened at any of those schools. I and went you went to. to the, that sounds like you went to the right art school. Yeah. It's- well, I got into Central St. Martin's, but I didn't want, I was like, you know, like I was just like, it was such an ordeal trying to get, into, like they lost my portfolio and they found it. I mean, it was like really crazy. And then they wait, flew wait, me wait. out they there. Lost your yeah, portfolio. they lost I my portfolio. I understand por- that. <laughs> I sent them my portfolio and then they were like, I called and I was like, where is it? And they were just like, oh, we don't have it. And then it mysteriously appeared a year later. I mean, it was just like, and I was living in New Zealand <laughs> at the time weird. and they were like, oh, you got an interview for the grad graduate program, which is like, it's like, the Oxford or Harvard of fashion design. It's like everyone, like Stella McCartney, John, like John Galliano, Alexander McQueen, everyone who's anyone in fashion for the most part has like gone to this graduate program. So I'm like in New Zealand going, oh my God, I've got an interview. I fly from New Zealand to the UK. I spend one night in Chicago and then I get there and they're like, oh, we're interviewing you for this other course. And I was like, what? What? I just flew from New Zealand. Did you say that? I think I was just so jet lagged. It sounds pretty jet set. You're flying all over to make it to art school. It sounds like a pretty. uh, I like I like to travel a lot. Yeah, yeah, I I have flown places for the weekend. What's your favorite place to go? What's your favorite travel spot? Um, New Zealand. I would. I have to pick two. New Zealand. If I was gonna like live there and be there for an extended period of time, I would choose New Zealand. It is the best country in the world. 
It just is. It just is. It just is. She's slamming her fish. She's very definitive. It is. And then to visit for like a month or a few weeks, I'd say Morocco and Marrakesh specifically. Morocco. Yeah. But I haven't been in a few years and now it's really easy to get there. Morocco Morocco is sick. Doesn't it just sounds good? I'm going to Morocco. So cool. And I'll never forget this little like 16, quote unquote, 16 year old boy that showed us around named Muhammad because everyone's name is Muhammad in Morocco. Um, but he said he was 16, and my friend and I were like, you're obviously 11. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed us around Marrakesh, Marrakesh, and he took us to t- like all these like back places that we would never have gone to if we had just been walking around by ourselves. Which so is we so saw, worth it. We saw some really awesome things there. We also got kidnapped. That was fun. Yeah. Morocco is crazy. I mean, Rewind. I love wait, wait, Morocco. You got kidnapped? Like yeah. physically kidnapped, like yeah. people threw you in a van and took well, you. Well, we got held against our will. All right. Yeah, but I'm every listening. time I told I told this story on Facebook and like I told this to someone who took a picture of me randomly by the club car, and he told me to tell him his my craziest travel story. So I told him that, and I got all this backlash on Facebook because they people thought I was being like derogatory or racist towards, towards Moroccans. And I was like, Moroccans. I'm like one person was like, Oh, you just didn't understand Moroccan hospitality. And I'm like, no, we were held against our will. And I'm not, I'm not right, saying well, that this is judge. against L- like, lay me the, all right. Let me so, hear the story. okay. So we go over to Morocco. We fly to Spain. We take the boat Who's over we? my friend, Melody and I. All right. Melody. Yes. Hi, the, Melody. Hi, Melody. I feel like she's here. I hope that you're here. Melody. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, we, fly to Spain and then we take the boat from Alcreas. I can't remember where it was in Spain to Tangier. Okay. And on the boat we meet these British girls, these two British girls that are doing like trekking by themselves. And we say, we all want to do this camel trek in Merzuga where apparently there's all these camel trek companies. And so we're, we both want to start by doing different things, both groups. So we decide that we will go our separate ways and then meet in Meknes and take a bus to Merzuga. So we do. While they're away, they like meet these people and get invited to a Moroccan wedding. And I was like, wait, what? And when we meet up with them, they were like, okay, well, we met these two guys at this wedding and they have a camel trek business, but they were like kind of sketchy. So we told them that we were leaving <laughs> like later in the day than we really were. So our boat bus was supposed to leave at like, I don't know, three or something and or six and it ended up getting delayed and leaving at 10. So these guys show up for the later boat bus, which we're still here for because our bus got delayed and we're like, okay, so we get on this 11 hour bus ride and, you know, I speak French, but you know, the deeper we get into the country, the less people speak French and people only speak Arabic and none of us speak Arabic except these two guys that we're with. So we get to this town and he's, they're like, this is where we need to get off. And we're like, but this isn't Merzuga. And he's like, well, you we need to get off here and take a taxi to go to Merzuga. So we're like, okay, we get off because it's not the middle of nowhere. It's like a proper town. You're and listening like, to these two okay. guys who yeah. presume they're in charge. They kind of know where the deal yeah. is. And we're like, all right, like these guys don't seem like totally untrustworthy. Let's do it. So we get off and we get into a taxi and we're not, you know, we're not like thinking, oh, this is unsafe because we're like, 
this is a random taxi. Like, how would anyone know? You know, we're trusting these people that we're not going into a bad situation. So we get into this taxi, and then You're we start. You're trusting these people, these guys you just basically we just met. met. Well, we're trusting that if we get into a taxi, it's not like a gimmick, which it wasn't. It gotcha. wasn't like okay. they didn't know the taxi driver. <laughs> we get into the taxi, the six of us, two first, yeah, six of us, and we start driving, and then we start going into the desert, and I'm just like okay, this is a little disconcerting because I've got a great visual memory. I can get on a plane to Florence today and get to the art store behind the Duomo that I was in three years ago if nothing has changed. It's really weird. Like, gotcha. I can do that. Good- so I'm like, okay, we're okay because I know if we need to get out of the car, like, I know where we are kind of. But then we start going into the desert and I'm just like, okay, now I'm like, I'm, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm a little concerned right now. Right. And then we just keep going and going. And by this point, I'm like, we've been driving for like 20 minutes or 30. I mean, it took, we, I think we were in the taxi for like 45 minutes in the desert. And do you, do you speak up at this point? And you're like, what's... I think he kept being like, oh, like, I think we did. And I think they're like, oh, it's fine. Like, we're going. And we're like, we are going to like a camel trek place where they're supposed to be cancer. We're like, okay, we hope you're right. And we get there and it's just all these like, not obviously not teepees because they're not Native American, but like these kind of like, like tents with like kind of thatched right. roofs. And then there, there's like tents and then there's like buildings, like clay buildings maybe, like kind of adobe looking with like thatched roofs. But it's just this one place in the middle of the desert. And so <laughs> we get out and we're like, um, where are all the other, I th- we should have options, you know? And so he's like, no, 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 like you have to take this one. And we get out and we're like, they, they want to charge us money. And we're like, well, we're not paying that. They wanted to charge us like $800 more than what it should have cost, which was like $200. So these guys knew what they knew exactly what they were Yeah, doing. and they were like trying to force us. And we like, we don't even physically, we like don't even have that much money in our bank accounts. Like if you held us up at gunpoint, you wouldn't even get that much money. Like we don't, and like we're giving you the student price. Everyone said that when we were in Morocco, the student price. Student we give you the price. student price. Yeah. And we're like, that is not the student price. That is like the family of four price. Okay? Yeah. Like, no way. And we're like showing them in the book. Like this is how so much it costs. So all of a sudden these two guys that are like kind of being friendly, all of a sudden yeah. the, the vibe completely No, shifts. they actually, well, they kind of disappeared. And then there were other people like in this like compound of sorts. And they were trying to like, the guys were trying to, they were kind of translating and this is pre cell phone. We should stay. No, you know? I had a cell phone, but okay. which I have to say, T Mobile, you rock because you had me until I got into the desert, and I cannot fault you for that because we were in the desert. <laughs> wow. At the time, but so yeah, I had a cell phone. We had to go with him on this camel trek. They wouldn't let us leave, and these people came came to finishing their camel trek, and I was like those people are getting in a taxi and when they go, we're going with them. And then I can't remember how, but some kind of way they separated us, the two groups. And then I realized that they had left and that's when I lost it. And I just broke down and I was like crying. I was like, I don't know if we're ever going to get out of here. Or like these people, oh, they didn't the other group, the other group, the other had, group left. had left so, in a so taxi. That, and that was going to be your out. Right. So gotcha. we kept arguing with them about the price. And I was like, can you call us a taxi? They wouldn't call us a taxi. They wouldn't let us leave. They were like, you have to pay this price to go on this camel trek. And we were like, we don't even have that money. So finally they like let us pay like $50 more than the Lonely Planet book said we should pay. And so we had to go with them. We like went with them for three days three into the days? desert. 
Yeah, and I have to say it's the best I've, food I've ever had in my whole life. So you're kind of yeah, I guess you were. But we also were given to like a dip, like the Camel Trek leaders who like weren't like they didn't know what was going on. Like those two guys came with us, and okay. it turned out that they wanted to like get with the British girls, like freaking British girls. British like, girls. Like come on, <laughs> they weren't that cute. I'm kidding. Oh, that's hilarious. But oh. then, and then they let us go, and they were like, "Make sure you, will you please call Only Planet and tell them what a great experience you had." And I was like, "You were lucky. We're not calling the embassy right now." Jeez. Or the police? Like, did they get it in their minds? Do you think they did, never? I don't did they think feel they, like they were not doing anything wrong. Obviously, because they, they were, told us to call Only Planet, and I was like, "Do you want me to call Only Planet and tell them like to hey, never let anyone?" Got me for four days. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess so. The moral of that story is: if you go to Morocco, folks, <laughs> uh, stay away from the camel treks. No, don't. You have to go on the camel treks. Just make sure you go to the right town. Right. Yes. So is this now? This was after college. This was during college. Okay. This is during. I mean, we're college. jumping around quite a lot. That's okay. Sorry. But we're getting to the point where how you uh, slowly make your trek out to Nantucket. Nantucket. Yes. We have to back up to high school. To high school. So you came out here in high school. Yes. With Denny, who lives down the street from you. Okay. And she's like my Nantucket mom, and I love her family, and her kids call me their sister, and. Their kids and are what's like, the connection? She was my dorm parent, my advisor, and my teacher in some respect. Like she had some kind of relationship. She was always my advisor because you get the same advisor for four years. And then at other other points she was like the dean of students, and then she was the my dorm parent. And so did she summer teachers. out here? She yeah, her parents had houses like her family had houses okay. out here. And she's like, Hey, why don't you come out to Nantucket? Yeah, because I would come I sometimes I'd go with them on like short breaks instead of going home to Chicago. That's cool. What was yeah. your earliest memory of Nantucket? Oh my gosh. Um getting well, getting up Hang really on a early. What the f- oh yeah, what is what that? What is that noise? Oh, it's definitely in here. This is the. Is it a vacuum? No. I don't know what the. Is it a truck outside that's like. Do you hear that? Yeah, I do. Ugh. See, this is why people do it in a studio. I mean, this is my studio, but. (laughs) It's a nice studio. It's a nice studio, kind of. (laughs) We're going to pause it for a second. Okay. Just we had to stop because of the noise, but now we're we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling here just because we'll have to backtrack. We were talking about. We were just talking about you and your first trip to Nantucket. Oh yeah, that was really cool. Okay. And what I was trying to get your thoughts on when you first arrived. Like yes. you remember as a kid. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I um we got up really early to do the drive from Maryland and I remember um Denny saying, you know, if you walk down to the bottom level, you can walk out with the cars, which I thought was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it was so much fun. So I walked out with the cars and I was like, This is amazing and I just thought I mean, I remember when like the Nantucket Hotel was whatever it was, like not the last thing it was, but before, like when the film festival used to be there, Mm -hmm. that was one of my first jobs. And I just met so many cool people. Like I volunteered at the film festival. As a kid? Yeah. I mean, I was like 17, but yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. And I met people that I'm still friends with today. And I did throw my penny off the back of the ferry when I left <laughs> and look what happened. So I yeah. think that works. So when did you come here full time? Um, oh my God, it's been four years. I can't even believe it. So four so before that you were just coming out for summers or just yeah, back and forth? Yeah, for summers. 
and not always. Basically, I came here since that first time. I've been here every summer, even if except for the summers I lived abroad. Even if it was like only for two weeks, I would come, which okay, is kind so of funny. It's like the most consistent place that I've lived in my whole life because... And what do you love about it? I like how it's this island that's so far away from everything. I like how it's kind of hard to get things. Like, I don't mind that. I don't mind like having to order something and being disgruntled because I didn't remember order it like three days earlier. So it would have been here <laughs> when I needed it. You know, I kind of enjoy that. And I like how it's how it feels like it's a small town in like the Midwest, but it's At also, times. yeah. Well, I mean like 4th of July, like watermelon eating contest. That is so cool, <laughs> you know, but at the right. same time it feels like a city because so many people come here and so many people come here from a city. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are elements of it that feel kind of city ish. If it's like, the dreamland that shows like national theater performances. I don't know what it is. Yeah. They do a great job of, I guess it's not as, yeah. Progressive. Yes. And having lived in Iowa, I know we're on an, on an Island, but it is not as isolated in the middle of nowhere as Iowa. You know what I mean? That's a very important distinction. Yeah. It's almost like I feel, I almost feel like what it must feel like to live like in Connecticut in like a little town and be close to New York. It's like almost like that because it, it kind of is. I mean, if you get on JetBlue, you know, during the there. on season yeah, I know. and you fly to New York, you're in New York in like an hour, an hour, which it's is amazing. like what your commute would be. You know what I mean? I mean, so it, it's, it's, it's accessible. It's like small town, but it's accessible to cities with with a film fest a comedy fest yeah and, you know one thing that just jumped out as you were saying that is just the food culture here i i came from oh new God, york so and the, good. the food called nantucket has amazing food yeah it's it's what's really, your favorite restaurant can you say that i can say that okay. you know i uh I really like uh, the boarding house and crew yeah. i think oh my cru- god cruise Cruise where i go to get oysters and key lime pie I um I, I like uh, Nautilus is great Freaking too. Love Nautilus. This is what I mean. I mean yeah, that's, we, it's so hard. You're like, oh wait. Pie, there's a, this is what I mean. It's really hard, and, yeah. and I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I can't. I don't have this. There's a lot of really great restaurants and chefs that are really pushing the envelope. It, it's a very progressive food culture out here. Yeah. When I tell people where they should go for dinner, it's like actually there was a couple in the store yesterday. My store from Arkansas, and I ended up getting out the young bicycle map and like drawing them a little map of like all the places they should go in Nantucket. And I was like, Oh, you've got to go to Nautilus. The food there is amazing. And you have to order the Charlotte. Like Clinton makes that drink just for me. And it's so, do you like grapefruit? Great. You'll love this. You have to order the Charlotte. And then I was like, but wait, but wait, Oh my God. I don't know. But cruise clothes. You can't go to crew, but what about no straight work? But that's amazing too. But I'm always like, a lot of options. pie, you know, if he's like, I want to go somewhere out of town. I'm like, pie, you got to go to pie. And like, it's so hard. Like each restaurant, I'm like, oh, but I forgot about this restaurant. Like, Ventuno's, are you going to be here before? Or like, when are you leaving? Ventuno's will be open on Thursday. Like, I mean, it's really hard. It does have sort of a, <laughs> well, it has sort of a cosmopolitan. Yeah. Is that the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. I just, but I it get, might not be the right word, I but I understand what you mean. Yeah, well, it's, that's the most important if we understand each other. Yeah, as long as, and the listeners. <laughs> and the listeners. Do you understand what I mean, guys? People, can you uh, write in and see if you understand us? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, uh, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of the business, because one of the yeah. reasons that I wanted to have you on, it's 
is that you've started your own business. And yeah, I think coming it's like out the here, worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's just really hard. It is really hard. And, I love it, but it's so and hard. so your background is in textiles. Mm-hmm. You start knitting. Mm-hmm. And you're would I've, you consider yourself a fashion designer? I mean, yeah, I guess yes. Yeah, yes. If you're doing those markets like you mentioned, yeah. you're in fashion. Yeah. If you have to do market weeks. Yes. Ugh. I know. They're I mean, I say knitwear designer, but yeah, I am a fashion designer. It's like I go to New York and I buy like British Vogue and French Vogue and WWD and yeah. And all those fashion magazines, yeah. which I have a yay or nay. You ready? Okay. This is awesome. <laughs> this is a yay or nay. Okay. Calvin Klein, yay or nay? Ooh, underwear, yay. All right. <laughs> Nanette Lepore. <laughs> nay or yay? Just it's nay. Nay. <laughs> Donna Karen. Yay. Stephen Allen. Yay. Nice. I like Stephen Allen. Yay. I think yeah, I think he's got a good story. Mark Jacobs. Yay. John Barbados. N- nay. 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 To, to what? Why nay? I just, maybe it's like, uh, I don't know. It, maybe it, I feel like it's indistinguishable, indistinguishable from a lot of other brands that are doing similar things. Like H&M? Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. Look at me. I'm a fashion snob. Making fashion things. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like H&M? Yeah, H&M, I don't know. Hey, listen, I shop at H&M, right? Yeah, it's... Totally when you fine. need it, when you need it. All right, that totally was a fun fine. little yay or that nay session. Fun. Do you have another one of those? Um, uh, those are the ones that I just had written down. <laughs> like, oh, uh, Ralph Lauren. Yay. I like Ralph Lauren. Okay, Tommy Hilfiger. Ooh. Sorry, nay. Nay. <laughs> nay. Yeah. All right. Different. Two different designers. Um, he was so Jimmy right. Jimmy Choo. Nay. I'm amazed that I'm even pulling this out. This is amazing. So I w- the reason... In New York, mm-hmm. I used to work for a company, Peter Callahan, mm-hmm. who is a celebrity caterer. We would do all these fashion mm-hmm. parties, so that's how I would know about. That's... I never knew who Jimmy Choo was. Wow! Till I worked his penthouse or Donna Karen working at her penthouse. So I've seen, I know that world. Yeah. But as a, a guy so that's weird. sitting there making drinks, I was the dude in the corner at those fashion parties that would wow. be like making cocktails. That's amazing. <laughs> so you'd see all these people, like Mark Jacobs would walk into Donna that Karen's is, loft, and you'd see all these that's people. That's so and it weird. Kind of interesting to be a fly on the wall. And, yeah. But the fashion world's pretty interesting. It's a little, it was, you know, Zoolander's pretty on point. (laughs) (laughs) When is the second one coming out? I don't know. They need a second one. I feel like it's supposed to be coming out. You know, they walked, um, those two models, models, quote unquote, walked, I can't remember what designer show it was at Fashion Week as a joke in promotion of the movie. Oh, Derek and... uh... Yeah. What was his name? (laughs) Derek and... Derek and oh god, ah, what was, was his something name? Zoolander. Oh. Er, something Zoolander. Derek Zoolander. Derek but what Zoolander. was what was Owen Wilson's? Wasn't it Thomas or something? Or I can't remember. I would be googling it if but my phone wasn't wa- dead. They did, they did walk, and you're right. As yeah. a joke, yeah, that was hilarious. So all right, I ran into Donna Karen actually in Aspen. Did you? Yeah, it was really funny. So you she know was, Donna. I mean, I don't, call her know, Donna like I know I don't know Donna, but you but chatted with her. I did chat with her. She's super friendly. Yeah, she was funny. She, I was in her store. Like she has this cr- really cool store in Aspen that is the only one of its kind, which is why 
I think I hesitated, but then on the yay or nay. But I think Donna's a definite yay. I like her. Song. I'm going to give her a yay because she has a program that she started that is uh, all about uh, her husband died of uh, brain cancer. Oh. And her husband was a sculptor. And huh. she has uh, dedicated, I don't know if she's, she has a holistic center. In the, yeah. And her whole, this whole division that she started mm-hmm. is um, occupational therapists, like aromatherapy, oh. mm-hmm. yoga for people that are in uh, hospitals. Sir. Well, that's why I like her store in Aspen because everything there, she works with artisans in Haiti to make all of these beautiful, crazy accessories and like jewelry pieces that are in this store in Aspen, which is like some of the sickest stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she's, yeah. she's, she's a cool pretty, lady. Uh, and I talked to her, so it was great. We nice. had a great little convo where I was trying stuff on in the fitting room and we were, I was like, I you like, like I'm I'm a, did you tell her that you were a designer? I did actually. And I was like, why didn't I like give her my card or something? I don't know. She'll come out here. They all do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Donna, remember me? I was in your store in Aspen. I didn't buy the $6,000 coat that I was trying on. Who's the on. most famous person that's worn is Isabel and Cleo? Is that what we call, is that what um, you call your... What's that? Wow, Juliana Mar... What's Margulies. her name? Yes. I believe, I haven't seen it, but the costume designer, Dan Larson of The Good Wife, mm-hmm. he bought some of my pieces for that show. And I know that one of them, I know for sure because he told me that that's, one of the pieces cool. was worn. I don't know if it was her or not. I thought it was her, but I can't remember now. Mm. And then I don't know if this is going to manifest itself or not, but like the stylist I was talking to you about earlier, Christine Elrich, I can't remember how to pronounce her last name, but she had stuff sent out to LA for Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, but I don't know if it made it or not. See, know? this is interesting. I want to get to that. Okay. These are great stories. And I think people listening would appreciate the the amount of uh, work that goes into mm-hmm. when you're a manufacturer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a stylist, you're uh you know, you're a wholesale manufacturer. Wholesale. But, retail, I want, yeah. but before we get there, I wanted to talk about, you know, tell me about starting the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How of course. that came about. It was totally an accident. So here I am. I've just spent, you know, the last year of my life doing an intensive course at the Glasgow School of Art for my master's. So we didn't get any time off. It was just a straight year of work. And I go, okay, I've spent so much money. I need to recoup some of this money that I've spent. So I put my whole collection up on Etsy. I just started an Etsy site called Isabel and Clean. I actually had done it earlier when I was procrastinating writing my thesis, which I joked with my friend Ingrid. I was like, she was writing her thesis and I was like, well, don't procrastinate on it because you may... of Coco Vinny. Yeah. Oh, I know Ingrid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, don't procrastinate on writing your thesis because you may start a business like I did. (laughs) So basically that's what happened. I I'd already started, had Etsy page up and then I started putting everything on Etsy and then all of these bloggers started blogging about the company. It got to the point where for like three months, I could Google myself almost every day and find a new blog post. It was really cool. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it was God great. God bless you, internet. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thank it's you, like, internet. This is really fun. Now it's really boring when I do that. But um, <laughs> but I like I got my first wholesale account that way, which was great. I didn't even know what I was doing. It was amazing. But what ended up happening was I had also applied for a grant for the Scottish Arts Council, which I won. And I used that money to go to Brighton, England, to do an intensive knitwear course, like an intensive machine knitting course to really learn like how to do all the things that my 
my knitting machine were capable of, which having gone to school in Scotland, all those students had already learned that in their undergrad. And, and I had to sit down and actually how to work the machine. Mm-hmm. Describe the machine to us. Well, there's domestic and then they're industrial. So the ones we have at our shop are industrial knitting machines. They are about the size of a keyboard, like a Casio keyboard from the 80s. That's kind of what they look like. But they're um, plastic with metal um, latches, 200. They're called needles, but they kind of look like a latch. They have like a little latch that opens up in a hook. And then the... St- the um, Stitches all sit in those, and you move. There's a thing called a carriage with a handle, and you move that back and cr- back and forth across the machine, and it's what makes. It's kind of like a wave. The stitches move. I mean, the needles move in a wave, and as they the carriage moves across, it pulls yarn into that hook, and then the the latch closes and brings it brings the yarn through a loop. Okay. If that kind of makes sense. If I yeah, well, I can that. visualize yeah. it because when you're on the straight wharf. Right, yeah, I was you, working at right. This, I would see you yeah, up there. that's right. At, all know, the time, all knitting on the... Knitting on the yeah, straight work. it is, that job, this is like a 24-hour job. It's kind of crazy, except after being on the straight wharf, like, we would get there at 10 and leave at 11.26 almost every night because we I didn't have a car at the time. Big Mama Bronco was taking a, taking a summer off. <laughs> she needed a new engine. Um, and we would take the last bus, at 11.26, we would haul butt to get to the corner, the Greyhound, with all our stuff. And Tina and I would, you know, my production manager now, I mean, she's kind of like my production manager in everything but name. But we'd be running, and I'd be like, Tina, we can make it. Just stay alive. And we, like, whoever had more strength would just get to the bus and hold it all summer. It's crazy. <laughs> you said Greyhound. The great, oh, the green hound. Sorry, I was like, greyhound. the greyhound, the greyhound bus like, that goes to Boston. Greyhound bus. Station. Oh, that, yeah, wow, that's yeah. Really greyhound comes over on the boat. I like that. <laughs> Did you hear? That's a great. That would rumor. be amazing. It's a great rumor. Did you hear greyhounds coming? To yeah, Kentucky? greyhound. <laughs> going to come over once a day. So you were on the straight wharf, and I remember always seeing. Yeah. And you've since moved to Center Street, which was probably a good move, right? <sighs> Ask me at the end of the year. It's definitely the, a good the, move for visibility. Let's just talk about the vibe. The vibe is amazing, right? I know, but I'm talking about on Straight Wharf. The Straight Wharf, yeah. It's a different... It's when a diff- you, it totally when you is. Have to, and, I, and I can say this because I worked there and so did you. I worked there yeah. for four years at the uh, Nantucket Juice Guys. Yeah. There you go, Soup. There's your plug. <laughs> the, the Nantucket <laughs> Juice Guys. I know, Soup's the best. Uh, making smoothies, but the energy on the Straight Wharf... Best breakfast sandwiches. It was, I miss those. <laughs> that's only if you're hungover. <laughs> but I had them when a, I wasn't. But it no. just, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it, it's because yeah. of the, tr- the transit nature of yeah. it. And in the summer, yep. the chaoticness of it people is chaotic. getting off of the boat and creates people, an energy on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, having to be open till 10 because of NIR, you know, rules about if you're going to be rent from us, you have to be open a certain amount of time. So, Which I think that was one of my NIR makes it really hard for a business, mm-hmm. someone like yourself, mm-hmm. to get a business going. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can anyone, unless you have multi-million dollar backers, someone can't, the old, hey, I'm going to just give this thing a go, is yeah. really hard to do. Yeah, And I, I understand they're a business. I mean, uh, I guess it just seemed, it's just hard. And, it's really difficult. And especially on the straight wharf. Yeah. So are you happy with the move? I am. I mean, we have way more space. We have heat and a bathroom, which we did not have 
using on the, the straight the, or the, the public restroom. Yeah, I was like, wait, work. you're closing the bathrooms, but the bathroom that they left open for us until I think Shroll had a heater in it. So when we were really cold, we'd just go stand in the bathroom because it was so cold in our store. It was a little insane. But I think it's impressive that you know you're you've started this operation, you've built this brand. Is Thanks. really what it is. You know, you built people this. say that a lot. I have this brand. Well, you you're the brand, and and it's impressive to especially out here. It's not mm-hmm. easy to do. You know, and you built it's a, really hard. And uh, you know, you started something, you create something like a ba- that's your baby. You know, but in a way, I almost think that's our downfall because. I was talking to someone, a friend about who I just asked for business advice, um, I think at the beginning of the year, and I was telling him how I really wanted to open a second location that had a little, either was, you know, seasonal like Aspen that was opposite to Nantucket or was more year round to like get money coming in and a, a more frequent, consistent basis. And he was like, you know, you really don't want to open another store. That's a whole nother like, you know, like that operating expenses for having a brick, another brick and mortar shop. It's so expensive. But I told him, I was like, well, the problem with our brand is that we make it awesome. I mean, it's awesome on its own, but I feel like the one reason what makes us Isabel and Cleo, Isabel and Cleo is me and Tina and the people that work for it. And the things that we make are so you know, everyone, everyone is like, I want to touch that. Everyone comes in my store. It's amazing. Or when we do craft fairs or trade shows, I'm not kidding. Like in the Jacob Javits Center, people are walking down the aisles and those hands go out and they touch our stuff. And they're like, I wish that I had a clothing store. I'm an interior designer, but we work can, maybe we can use, you know, that's what attracts people to us is just the way that we are. Like Tina and I do a song and dance to the to the song are y'all ready for this with one of our infinity scarves okay no we actually do like are y'all ready for this okay and you just can't like sell that on the internet i I witnessed one of your fashion shows the one at the brewery or this or the flash mob the one that you did the flash mob you and your friends were having a blast when was that at the state war oh that one where someone walked past and they were like it's like bourbon street that one yes It was you girls were that was having hilarious. way too much fun. That was like, these hel- girls I know like, the Highline came the and told line, us to turn it down. The Highline, <laughs> the Highline told yelled at you. Yeah, only because like I guess their card reader like beeps and they couldn't hear if t- people's tickets were beeping. <laughs> these or girls not. are party. You, know, you got to yeah. paint the scene. The Highline pulls in. It's chaos. And it was girls crazy are music and they're. You have your friends dressed up in the different outfits, and they're running around with music. It was music so just funny. Was that Fourth of July weekend? I feel like that. I, it was packed on the it wharf. Was pretty it funny. was. It was quite a sight. That was awesome. So anyway, back to the brand. Yes. Back to like, so, what is the hardest part about running a successful fashion brand? There's my scripted question, and that okay. wasn't scripted. That sounded like so uh, <laughs> NPR. Tell it me, did kind of. <laughs> tell me about your hardest part about being a uh, well answer the question <laughs> well i'm gonna say i'm gonna um just add something to that and say on nantucket because that's my only only experience but of running this is running a business on nantucket which i think is very different from running a business on the mainland in a you know in a place that or that a place that's not that's like so seasonal you know i, I would imagine this would be similar 
maybe an Aspen, but I don't even know because in Aspen you could still theoretically go hiking and it could still be, you know, there's still stuff going on. You go rafting or whatever. But just speaking about Nantucket, I think what makes it really difficult to run my business on Nantucket is how expensive everything is. Like my commercial rent is really almost prohibitively expensive, you know, and then you know, it's not like I have just a retail store. My business and my accountant said this, which is terrifying. My accountant said that my business is really complicated. When your CPA is telling you that, you're like, don't even send me. I don't even want to send the bill. Just like, can I just do like a di- like a direct deposit or I don't know. Yeah. I don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. like, just take but, care you of know, it. we have a manufacturing wholesale retail business and all of those things could be businesses on their own, you know, so... Not only do we have a huge commercial rent, you know, I have I pay for my employee housing because I can't just find someone on Nantucket that knows how to use a hand-operated knitting machine. You know, like I went to school for that and I won a grant from the Scottish Arts Council to learn how to how to do that. So people like me aren't just walking around Main Street going like I need a job. I need a job and you know Oh, you have a loom. So, it's a loom. Right. right. Yeah. Well, it's called a knitting machine and then a weaving loom. But some people call it a knitting loom. Um, But, you know, Tina, my, you know, she's, I I mean, really kind of Trekkie-ish. You know, I joke that she's my Commander Riker, my number one. Yeah. My number one. Yeah. She actually comes here from Philadelphia. She has a husband that lives in Philadelphia. And she's only supposed to be here two weeks a month. But... I we can't I need her more than that. So she actually is home right now for the first time since May. Yeah. And her husband's cool with that. That's pretty well, I don't know uh, if he's cool with that. But, <laughs> you know, and then we brought on actually a Highline, old Highline employee because he used to come and hang out when there were no boats. Oh, I know that kid. Jackson. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I don't I know his, I don't yeah. know his name, but I know who you're talking yeah, the about because yeah. he used to work on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he started working for us in September of last year and he has been with us for over a year now and he still isn't where Tina and I are. Like he doesn't even know how to hand it. So even if I were to train someone, you know, to do my business, like to knit, it takes longer than a year. You know what I mean? So I need to be able... It's an apprenticeship, really, right? Yeah. And so Nantucket, like you said earlier, it's so transient. So it's really hard to get like college students to come and stay here through the winter and work here. So that is what's really... That is another thing that's really hard. It's hard to like get... And I'm sure other people have this problem, but it's not like I'm a retail store where I could hire almost almost anyone to come and be at the store and sell a lot of people who have great communication skills and like to talk to people can be a great retail employee but i don't look for retail employees i look for people who can who are personable and can knit because i don't have a i don't have the luxury of just hiring someone to sit in my store you know what i mean so that gets really expensive so i have to pay for housing for people so that those people that, you know, I have a girl working, I have two girls working for me right now and they both just graduated. One just graduated from college. The other one graduated last year. One is moving to San Diego. And unless I can like pay her a livable wage, which is like what, I mean like 40 grand a year probably to keep her on, she's leaving, you know, it's a tough position to be in. Right. As, as and the then I have owner. another girl who, you know, if I could probably cover her housing, she would probably stay. So that's just like two things right right there. It's just like housing 
and not even housing, but just having the money to pay for it and then a commercial rent makes that really difficult. And that, I haven't even touched upon what's difficult about running a business, period. So yeah, there you go. I'm just, <laughs> as you're talking to me, I'm thinking about the the depth. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot, to, a lot of balls to keep in the yeah. air and especially, it, you know, yeah. having all these things go on and then you have the, the weight of keeping these people employed and... Mm-hmm. Where do you have time to be like creative and find inspiration? I, that leads me to like the next thing I would say if I was going to say another thing that's difficult is I don't have, I was, I was on, what was I looking at yesterday? I was looking at, oh, I was looking at my Etsy page. I like happened to notice that, you know, someone wanted me to do a custom listing for them. And I happened to notice that everything on my Etsy page had expired. Whoops. Um <laughs> My bad, guys. Sorry. Like on September twenty so third. So that's a that's pretty important that the well, Etsy page is a big part of your business. I think I kind of treat Etsy. I think Etsy's gotten like really big when I when I first loaded it. So if you're listening, you don't know what Etsy is. We yeah. should probably explain what Etsy right. is. Right. So Etsy is a online um, space where you can sell anything that is handmade, vintage, or a tool or supply that you can use to make something handmade. Those are the only things you are allowed to Those are the parameters. Right. And it's opened up when it first started, like when I was doing it, I think it was only open to like maybe the USA and maybe maybe like the UK, but now I'm pretty sure it's worldwide. So in my mind, Etsy is just like a way, it's kind of like, kind of like advertising. That's how I think of it because we're not doing like a ton of um, amount of sales because basically after I put all my stuff on Etsy, just a little backstory again, I put all my stuff on Etsy. I did the Scottish, the um, the grant, the schooling, the extra schooling for machine knitting. And then I got headhunted by Free People to be a knitwear designer at Free People in Philadelphia, which is how I met Tina actually, just while I was living in okay, Philadelphia. Okay, so you got the degree so and I you got, got the training and people that started seeking you out. Right. So then, I yeah, I got really headhunted. I mean, they flew me to Philadelphia twice for this job, which I took. How long ago was this? This was right before I came to Nantucket. So this was like, I left there in April of 2011. Yeah. Okay. And then I came here and then that's when, just to come full circle, that's when I kind of took my business on Nantucket. I planned to go back to the UK because I had a visa, but then I ended up staying here and then my visa ran out. And then I was like, well, now I'm here and I really would like to go back to the UK. And the only way for me to go back to the UK is to make a really awesome business. So I decided to make a really awesome business. I like it. I'm not even kidding. She I said, like, guys, I obviously have to make a really awesome business. She said business. that with such a convincing smirk on her face. Yeah. Like she was like, yep, and yep, I did it. And I did it. What are you going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. And so actually that's how I won another, I didn't win, but I, they're Echo Damani. It's like for fashion awards, there is a CF, uh, CDFA. Yeah, CFDA. I can't remember. I should really know. I get my acronyms mixed up. But the Council, like Fashion Designers of America or whatever, and they do a big um, award with Anna Wintour and Vogue. And I actually have friends who've won this, and they like call Anna Wintour Anna. And I'm like, really? Anna? You're going to go talk to Anna now? I don't even know who you are. This is weird. Right. But um, there was that one, and then there's Echo Domani. And one of the things to get a visa to go back to the UK, you had to, an artist visa, they only gave out 300 a year. You have to do you have to like win awards or be in magazines and just so so you know how hard it was if you were applying as a filmmaker or actor you had to have won a BAFTA a Tony 
like an Oscar in like the last five years, you couldn't be nominated. You have to have won one. And if you were nominated, then it had to have been within the last five so years. We're talking about a very elite pool. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> these are people who don't need visas. If these are pe- if these people are asking for you, you just give it to them. Like, yeah, why are they taking right? it away from the rest of us? But whatever. So that's when I was like, I'm going to try to win this. So I actually applied for Echo Domani, which they're not doing anymore. But that if I had won that, I, I got to the semifinalist round. So that's 25 people. And I would have won $25,000 towards a show at New York Fashion Week that they, Echo Domani's a wine that they would have sponsored. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's really congratulations. Thank you. I didn't, I bet you. Yeah, no, I literally was like, oh, so I have to make an awesome business. So I started like applying for stuff. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty, so, you're a pretty driven girl, woman. I just don't take no for an answer. Yeah. I did that at a bank too. I was like, hey, Kite Pop Five, um, I'm going to start a business and I need you yeah. to help me out. And they were like, okay. So what pisses you off? <laughs> what pisses me off? Uh, when people don't work hard, that drives me insane, especially on my dime. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Have you I'm had to sorry. fire someone? I could, I don't know if I could ever fire anyone. I've, I've warned someone. I've given someone a warning and I was like, if you don't you have start a showing up. Not really. I, I let things stew. It's really bad. And then I complain to my, my good friends about it. But I'm like, I'm the kind of employer where I'm just like, look, you know that this is a small business. We don't have a ton of money. Like, don't piss me off. Like, I'm pretty laid back. I don't care if you have a beer at work. Give me, as give long me an as example you get of something that I just want to get a... Of, that makes me mad? Yeah, that, that really pissed you off. I'm, I'm like, that does really an employee didn't, like, didn't close the bathroom door or something no. stupid? Like, what drives you nuts? I have an employee that um, is notoriously consistently late. So, you know, this employee... 10 minutes late or half hour? Oh, we're talking like hours. No, like that's not an cool. hour and a not half. Cut it. Unacceptable. And I, you know, I... This is employee... Like, all of my employees work way more than anyone. I Like, I've got really awesome employees. I have four employees right now. And then I have about five women that hand knit at home for us. And so... A lot of my employees, everyone like goes above and beyond. A lot of like Tina works every day, literally every day. She has not had time off. Like maybe she's had three days off this summer, maybe. And on her days off, she comes into work. Like these are the people that I have working for me. They're amazing. You can't buy that. Like so, I I do kind of let things slide a little bit, but this employee like was consistently late you know, would show up at like noon and I say, you have to be here at 10. And so finally I had to sit, set employee down and say, listen, I work really hard to make this business work. And a lot of times like I have to sacrifice things in my personal life to make this business run, which is fine. That's my business. And that's what I signed up for. But when you're late for two hours, that really pisses me off. I see just like <laughs> Ooh, that. I just got scared when she and- said that. <laughs> And I find it really I, I disrespectful. I'm sorry, I'm late, Charlie. I, know. I'm really sorry I was I'm late. late. I was late to this to this interview. You were late, late to the podcast, I but at least oh, I texted. He doesn't even text. Yeah, you got to communicate. Yeah. So well, you said a he. That was darn it. Don't so. dot, say no more. Right. Say no more. We'll, we'll move on. But yeah. So finally, like this employee, um, I gave this employee a warning, and I said. I'm instituting a street, a three strike policy. And if you are late again, I don't care if I need you, I will fire you. Of course he's been late since then. 
but he hasn't been like two hours late. So I just like choose. In this day and age, though, said, you know, hey, just hey. If, if you're running late or something happens, it's so easy to shoot a text. Hey, I'm running. Well, now this employee lives with me. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm just like, really? This, it's Hello. It's 10. very We're, um, complex. Hi. Well, you know, and people need housing. You're doing and what you I do have to, to get the business going. I have to give it. To, I mean, what I'm going to say, no, sorry. You just go sleep on the street. Is it exciting being a business owner? <laughs> I don't know if she. I don't I'm know sorry, if she's. Gonna, I, I don't know if she's gonna <laughs> cry or laugh. Okay, so <laughs> last week, one of my employees and I spent pretty much the entire day calling um, outstanding accounts because like people just hadn't been paying us for Delinquent forever. Account, yeah. People just that haven't paid. And we just like kept, you know, we kept getting people's voicemails or like they wouldn't be there. And we just kept, we just called like every single person. And by the end of the day, I was so stressed out. I was like, I'm going to go get us a bottle of wine. So yeah, that was a little fly by the seat. Exciting. If I mean, so these are the ups and downs. And I think yeah. it's important for people to get an idea of the dynamics of running your own business and not, something you know there's a lot of different businesses out here but you yeah. know being in you know fashion and not, yeah. not only selling other you make the clothes yeah exactly you make the clothes you you sell them you also are getting hit up and we talked about this earlier with by stylists mm -hmm. from from new york and la that want some of your pieces mm -hmm. for shoots mm -hmm. so they're you're expected to deliver them immediately because Jennifer Aniston or who was it? Who was the, um, it was Amy it was Poehler. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Want, and so tell us about that. They, they want some, they want some of your clothes. So. Oh yeah. That happens a lot. We'll get, you know, a customer that'll be, Oh, this is my favorite when this happens. Um, I was in your store. I bought this scarf or I saw this scarf. It looks like this. I'm like, I have no idea what this person is talking about. It sounds like nothing we have ever made or ever will make. And I emailed them back and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, could it be this? Could it be that? And they're like, I, it just, it looks like this and you have to decipher what people mean. Do you get that and then they wanted it yesterday. You? Yeah. I actually need to email someone back today. I forgot. Well, your but phone's dead. So I, my phone is dead. I can't do it. <laughs> I think my iPad might be in my bed, but that's probably dead too. <laughs> <laughs> all my it's dead apple products just, in my bag um kind of or yeah like the stylist um who emailed me who's awesome i mean when i met her she came into the store and she was like oh you um you should come see me when you do market week in new york you know but i'm leaving like the day after you get there to go do the grammys Is it the grammys or the emmys the emmys and emmys. i was just like well that's pretty cool yeah, just, like see if I can fit you in my schedule. You that's got to feel you good. Go though, though, no, it was hey, the great. The fact that you're on the radar and that that's yeah, no, it was great. For what you're making, it was great. But literally calls me and like they're like, we need this to be in LA tomorrow, and I was just like, I am not in San Francisco. <laughs> you have a million things to do today. The last yeah, thing do the last thing I need to do is like pack another order. But you do what you got to do because you never know. Even if they don't use it, I'm just so happy that she even thought of me to ask. I was like, what do you want? Like, whatever you want. Like, I'll send you some stuff you don't want. Maybe you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, yeah. I think you, it's a big congratulations. Thank you. You know, I mean, I've seen you from the straight wharf. <laughs> You know, and you've made it. You've made a move that's clearly, uh, you know, if you if you have stylists calling you, you're doing something right. You know, you have people that. I've got really great customers. I have um, 
I have one woman, her name is Mary Haft, and she's a wonderful human being. She actually, she does, she does a lot of, um, she actually um, writes, she's a journalist, I guess. She writes um, articles for In Magazine. I'm sure she does other things too, but the most recent thing I've read of hers was in In. And she is one of my best customers and one of my biggest supporters. When the Huffington Post came here a few years ago and they were like, they asked her who um, she, they should talk to. She mentioned me. And so I was in a little Huffington Post article about style in Nantucket. And, you know, she's the one who told the stylist about me. And, you know, one of the actresses that was in um, The Grey Lady, John Shay's movie, you know, she was wearing one of my pieces and the actress asked her where she got it from. And she said, hey, I got it. You know, you've got to go to the store. I mean, this woman is like my PR extraordinaire like she but i have a lot of people like that well you're putting out love a our product products that's good. and people it's total like i feel like a lot of our business is word of mouth and is so, that validating for you it is great i have you know i was like saying the other day it almost makes me want to cry because i have people that will come into the store and they like we love what you were doing you know it's like those days where it's really stressful and i feel really overwhelmed and i just want to go home and go to bed because it's just too much right you know those days where i'm like i don't know how i'm going to pay my employees this week <laughs> you know like those days like it always like somebody comes in and they're like we love what you're doing it's great that it's made here like your stuff is is awesome i bought 5 of these cows last year and i want 5 more because they were big hit at christmas it feels so good, but it also like is kind of like, oh my god. Well, that's good. I, you, yeah. you mentioned something earlier, and I thought it was important to. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was when, when I knew you were going to come over and you were going to come on the show. I wanted to talk to you about uh, this question, and how you mentioned island fashion. Do you think Nantucket's uh, island fashion needs to change? The I mean, I personally, personally love like the whole hot rugged carpenter look so i'm gonna go with no <laughs> but that's like the year-round look i mean if we're talking about like more of like the people who are here in the summer there's something to be said for preppy style i mean when i was in college people we would have died before we went to go work at ralph lauren and actually ralph lauren was one of the few interviews i had after i graduated i had an interview with mark jacobs ralph lauren and ellie tahari and when I went to the interview at, at Ralph Lauren, I felt like a the biggest hippie on the planet because everyone had these like aerodynamic black portfolio cases, and I had like a little like <laughs> leather like traveling suitcase from like traveling salesman suitcase like from like skin. the nineteen hundreds <laughs> like that I got at a vintage store that had like compartments in it with all my little knit swatches. And when I brought it into the the woman was just like looked at me like I was like crazy. Huh. Which all my sketches were in like an old book that I yeah, got that's at the just dump. Yeah, bitchy fashion world. Yeah, though. I was like, you but know, what's hilarious is like that's what their window looks like now. I'm like that suitcase could have been which got stolen off the Highline ferry. So if anybody stole that, I want it back. You can just leave it at 38 Center Street. That would be really awesome. Thank you. Someone stole. Yeah, somebody swiped it off the luggage cart. This trap like leather is like that this must big. be a cool looking leather. It was it was so cool. I'm so sad I got it in Scotland. It was so cool. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, and the owner of the store was like, you know what, this is usually for display, but I'm just going to sell it to you, and I don't know why, because I inquired after it, and he just sold it to me. So, like, there's a story behind it. It was really cool. Anyway. Well, you know, it's, it got me thinking about uh, when I knew you were coming on, is mm -hmm. that why, like, why is fashion important? It, that is so weird that you... Did, 
Somebody, who asked me that? Someone interviewed me like two days ago and they asked me that same because question. Because it is, I never thought about it until, you That's know. That's so you funny. You do see it, you never huh. think of it in those terms. And for some people listening, it may be so off their radar, but the kind of clothes you wear make you feel a certain way. Just the way you hear a song and it, and or you watch a show. So it is important. Well, I'll, what I said to this other person, I'll say to you, I mean, I think fashion is important, and this is totally from like my perspective, because there are so many things that, like, hand traditions, handmade traditions that we're losing because of, say, fast fashion, because you can't, re- like H&M and Topshop, they can't replicate these things, like lace making, you know, or uh, there's a lot of things that I'm like blanking on that have to be done by hand. You know, and I was telling this woman, it's so funny because like when I did, I did Charleston Fashion Week and I won it as an emerging designer competition. And so I got to go back the following year. And you've got a lot of awards. I have got a few, a couple, but that's like old news. You're like a fashion royalty right now. No, no, hardly. No, I've got to do some more. She's won Scotland's fashion. Yeah, no, the art, no, the grant, no. That was like four. That was so you're pretty long. accomplished, is what I'm getting. Really? No, you're accomplished. I think I'm just. I just think I have ADD, and I apply for a lot of things. I know. You have I, to try. People do don't try. try. Maybe if more people tried, you know, if more people tried to win that, I wouldn't have won. I don't know. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> more people had applied. And yeah. So, but no. So, like, is, I, why is fashion important? I like said this to what did I, I said to the woman? Um, people. So right. So I. The next year I got to go to Charleston Fashion Week as in a um, as a designer for free to show. And I had a big party here, finishing party, that's what I call it, when I like have a lot to do in a short amount of time and I need hand, like all hands on deck. I'll invite friends over and we'll have like hors d'oeuvres and drinks and then people like help me sew or t- whatever needs to be done. So a lot of people responded, like I'll come help but I don't even know how to sew on a button. And I was just like, are you, you don't even know how to sew, what? how can you not know how to sew on a button? It's like the most basic thing ever. And like that right there said to me, like we live in a world where fashion is now so inexpensive that if a button falls off of something, that could be seen as, you know, like I'm just going to throw that away or I'm just going to buy another one because it's so easy to just go buy another one or forget about it. It's just, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, Like, and so like, you know, Chanel owns factories in France that just make fabric or just make lace factories that would have died if Chanel hadn't bought them and that 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 um, technique would be kind of not lost because I'm sure it's in a book somewhere you know in like some library like Trinity College in Dublin where you can't touch the books it's so old you know but you know what I mean like no one knows how to do like if people don't even know how to sew a button on how can we expect that people still know how to make lace you know yeah I was looking at a Kickstarter of a week or so ago where this girl bought the last remaining hat factory in New York City and her Kickstarter was they like got enough money together to buy the factory and keep on some of the employees and the Kickstarter was to hire the rest of the employees back but can you imagine if like she hadn't done that and that business had just been so everything had been sold off and that's like the last so that's why I think that what I feel is important about fashion is not yes you know it is a way for you to show your individuality. And yeah, that's really important. But I think we could all walk around naked and still do that in some kind of way. 
based on how we talk or what we talk about or what's important about us, but is that this is like, in some ways it's like an art form. It's a way of expression, like learning how to work with our hands and having a craft is what's important and that and like not losing that like i don't know if you knew this but aaron sweaters like the fisherman sweaters like the cabling that they would do they would be almost like dog tags like people would could be identified like at sea if fishermen got lofted at sea and their bodies would wash up ashore like they would have a pattern that was specific to them isn't that cool the sweaters yeah like their wife or themselves or i think I mean, I'm like really showing my ignorance now, so I shouldn't oh, really I say see. too so the wives much more. But like that that the, the their but I think the men thing. used to do the knitting, but like they would have so many different um, patterns that apparently like people could be identified are by the pattern of, of their sweater. Are there a lot of men knitters? I didn't mean to interrupt. I just thought of that. Is it? I know a few. I mean, there've been men that worked for me in the past. I've had guys that, that have come into the store and they like really want to order something. And I'll be like, I don't have time to make it right now, but if you want to knit it, I'll set it up for you and you can knit it and then I'll finish it for you. That's happened a few times. Yeah, I don't know why, but it, you know, it is one of those things that seems like a gender-specific yeah. occupate, right? I mean, Tom Scott is a famous knitwear designer. He's obviously a guy. Yeah. A lot of, I don't know, there's other like British knitwear designers that like, that's kind of what they specialized in. I'm Julian, no, he was a printmaker. Never mind. <laughs> that's all right. Totally different. Screen that. printer, like, yeah. So, what's next for Isabel and Cleo? What's what do you have on the horizon? Can you be more specific? <laughs> what's there's the, like so much on the horizon. Like, I don't even know on? where to begin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's sort I, of a vague question too. It like, kind it, of is. It kind of but is. But like, I'm like with the business or like. Where I just you meant season? like you know like like, next year. Like obviously the season's next year. closing down. You have stroll coming up. Well, I think um, I want. We have a we have some like really cool like immediate immediate future. We have some cool things coming up where we wanted to start doing studio days where we get people in the community to like come and knit and like have a learn what we're doing and maybe make something for themselves and as a way to like let people know that we're here and that we're making up I mean I just want Isabel and Cleo if possible to be a local product that gets exported off this island and right now it is I mean we have we've sold to stores in Japan and Scotland and New Zealand and we've sold to stores all over the USA I think i I lost count, but I think our last number we were at like 55 stores. It's amazing. Not all at once, but like people that like we've done, we've been in the San Francisco MoMA. We've been in the, the National Museum of Women in the Arts. We've been at, we're at the um, High Museum in Atlanta right now. We're going, I'm going down to Atlanta, unfortunately, Thanksgiving weekend. Like I'm going to have Thanksgiving in a hotel. It's really fun. Woo. Look at the sacrifices. Though. Yeah. I mean, that's I it. mean, but you got, I got to do it. Isabel and Cleo, yeah. handmade on Nantucket. Yeah. You know, that's pretty I want, cool. I mean, I don't want to be like the next Ralph Lauren, but I just, all I want to do, what sex for Isabel and Cleo is to just have a successfully sustainable business that can support, you know, itself on Nantucket and can, you know, create jobs, more jobs on Nantucket, like di a different kind of job, a creative job, because I feel like there aren't a, a load of creative jobs that people can have here 
and it would be great if someone could that had that background could use what they've learned and if they're interested in that do that that's what i want well, that's I just, pretty cool yeah. that's a that's a pretty you know that, yeah. admirable uh goal to bring more people more creative people yeah and then get those people making a product that goes elsewhere you know there you go <laughs> you've done it though i mean you've started a business I'm trying you, to and you have it going and yeah. uh you know just i feel like you've you know if if you had took your high school self and told look what you're doing now you'd probably be pretty oh impressed God. right i would be like whoa who are you <laughs> what that what were you thinking <laughs> right but no i totally started a business on accident i would have rather have gotten a little bit more experience like in the real world and then come back but i felt like i'd gotten to the point where i was like if i don't do it now i'll never do it because i feel like i'm young enough that like if it fails miserably i'll still be able to recuperate and do something else but who's going to say that when they're 40 you know if i have kids like i'm going to go off and quit my job and it's, start a business and maybe that gets a lot scarier it's i so think cool i'm gonna take your hang on it's sort of been a theme you know last yeah. rob kakuza was in here people that have put themselves out there and try you know and mm -hmm. taking risks and i think that's uh to me, that's something that registers, and I think that uh, other people too. You know, you have to be willing to put yourself out there, and especially out here, it's yeah, it's hard. You know, you just answered the question you asked me earlier. I did. Yeah, you okay. said is having a business exciting, and I think that what you just said, taking risks, is exciting. It's kind of like you know those high jump things that you do in amusement parks, like. The like two hundred and fifty foot drops or whatever. Oh, the drops. Kind of like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like what having a business is like. It's kind of like that, but wearing Nantucket red pants. Yeah. Oh, that's what that was. The other one, Nantucket red. Yeah. Yay or nay? I'm gonna go with yay. I, you know what, I, I totally approve of preppy style. Yes, it gets annoying seeing it on everyone, but I think everyone's style is like, like I said earlier, I learned a long time ago that I think people should do whatever the heck they want whenever to do. Whenever they want. Whenever they want. And as long as it's not hurting or bothering or affecting me, I don't really care. So, See, I think yay. that's a great attitude. Yeah, think, you know, res. if you want to walk around in a clown suit. Yeah, great. I don't care. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to be your friend. You know, if, yeah. <laughs> if you want to dress like a pirate, go for it. If you want to that's dress like a totally space fine. invader, however, whatever a that's space totally invader fine. is. That's totally fine. Loafers, no socks, yay or nay? I mean... I wouldn't do it. But <laughs> <laughs> this has been yay or nay with Charlotte Hess. <laughs> I'm like the worst nay or yay or nay. I have to think too much. I know. I mean, I go. I'm gonna go with nay, but then I feel like I'm denying like every preppy person everywhere their right to wear loafers, loafers no without socks. socks hey. which, again, I said like if you want to do that, I wouldn't do it. But it's you not should my totally luck. But it's you should not, totally rock. I just it. think about how hot my feet would be. And that was leather loafers. And then I want to go. I think we should end on, okay, hot, on that no, on hot, hot feet and leather, and leather loafers. loafers. <laughs> oh, Charlotte Hess, thank you so much for coming on Inside the Whale. You've been. Thank you so much for having me. You rock. No, you rock. You rock. On the rock. We're gonna have you back. All right. You're coming back. Okay. That's All right. Fun. <laughs> Bye. Wow, what a cool conversation. Thanks again, Charlotte, for sitting down. Nantucket, entrepreneur, you know, if you dream it, you build it, if you're passionate, you can do it, even out here. Although it is hard, is Isabel and Cleo, you know, handcrafted, goes out into the world with a stamp on it, handcrafted, 
in on Nantucket, for Nantucket, by Nantucket, for the world. Get it out there. Let people know, hey, Nantucket's producing cool, awesome things, and Charlotte Hess, she's doing it. Thanks again, Charlotte, for coming on the show. She is part of the Nantucket community, putting it out there in the world, making it happen. You know, it's hard. These businesses, as I said in the beginning, these businesses, uh, it's tough for them. You know, rents are so high out here that it's tough. And some of these businesses are in jeopardy of surviving because of that. And that's sad. So we need to do all we can to support those local businesses to make sure that they can sustain themselves out here. Because, you know, we had a conversation after uh, the one you just heard about that it's hard for businesses to maintain an existence out here because things are so expensive. The rents are so expensive. But it would be a shame to lose something like Isabel and Cleo. Handcrafted goods on Nantucket going out into the world. Don't want to lose that, folks. That's important. So do what you can to support. You know? And uh, whenever and wherever, do what you can. That being said, folks, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm not feeling good, as I said before. But I'm going to beat this thing. And enjoy your Halloween weekend, folks. I hope it's safe. Have fun. Enjoy the trick-or-treats. We'll see you on the next one.
immigrants They wanna sing all night long Go straight to hell. 